This is Paul from Daily Review. This is Mike from Pop Culture Review. We're here to discuss the first episode of HBO's new sci-fi comedy. This one is called Avenue 5. This one stars Hugh Laurie, that you might know from House, and Josh Gad, which you you know, but you may not know from where. <laughs> Most famously, he's Olaf from the Frozen movies, but he's also just been a very kind of popular character actor actor whenever you need that type he's kind of the one that comes to the top of the list uh it's funny we've been listening to here in, the, in this house a lot of book of mormon or curated because a lot of some of the songs are not appropriate for younger listeners of course. and uh he was he was part of the original broadway cast of that show so ah. it, it's funny with the ship uh, unrelated to avenue five coming up we had been listening to it i was like man it would blow my mind if olaf was in book of mormon but now he's playing herman judd here in avenue five do you know who dan fogel is the creator of nope no then no he is you ever watch the fantastic beasts movies yeah. He's the American. Really? Yeah. Dan Fogel is the American. He came to Houston Comic Palooza last year. He was talking about his acting career and he made the comment that so there was a, a call out for Josh Gad types. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> and he, he put himself in that category, sort of. Now I know he because I had to look him up. But Dan Fogel, I actually sat next to him in a round table two New York Comic Cons ago. And he was there, actually, because he was going to be beginning his uh, arc on The Walking Dead. Ah, and, yes. And everyone just wanted to talk to him about Fantastic Beasts. And he held it. He was he was pretty, pretty chill guy. But he was definitely getting, like, kind of annoyed that no one wanted to talk about The Walking Dead. Or it was very secondary, tertiary. Everyone just wanted to talk about Fantastic Beasts. He's was, a little unpolished when it comes to his public persona which is actually refreshing because it's you, you're pretty sure you get you're getting an honest answer from the guy listen he came in throwing out t-shirts like he didn't have a t-shirt cannon but he was like balling them up and throwing them out to like various press members and whoever caught it and i was one of the people lucky enough to get one because he has like a podcast and he had t-shirts made he came in with like five t-shirts he's he's okay in my book so this is not the dan fogel podcast <laughs> though this is the avenue five podcast so just first impression, what did you think of the show? It was not what I thought it was going to be, but I'm unsold yet if that's a good or bad thing. You know, so this is from Armando Iannucci, who is kind of the brain behind Veep. And I think has a very similar kind of not obvious sense of humor like Veep does. It doesn't surprise me it's the same guy who did both. I found the pilot, which actually has a name, which I thought was weird. The actual episode was called I Was Flying, but I found it. It was a typical pilot. You know, it spent a lot of time introducing all of the characters that we're going to have to know. I'm hesitant to judge it, but I don't know that I liked it as much as I maybe hoped that I was going to like it. I also felt not quite swept off my feet with it. When you mentioned the Veep connection, you know, I'm not a Veep devotee, but I do remember the way that the humor is built into the show. The, there's kind of comical situations but really there's a lot of great lines and and really every scene seems to end with a pretty memorable line like the best line is at the end of that scene <laughs> whatever right. the scene is right and right. 
that seems to be in common with Veep. And sometimes it took a little bit of like a lot of a little bit of a lot of setup to get there also. <laughs> That's true. Yes. You know, for a 30 minute show, I liked it enough to definitely keep watching it for now. I'm not going to judge it or write it off. You know, there are certain shows you watch a pilot and you're in or you're out. This was... <laughs> I think maybe I'll watch more, but uh, yeah, it didn't knock my socks off. Like I thought it was, which is a shame because it's got a great creative team. You know, it's got, you know, Iannucci, it's got Simon Blackwell, who was another Veep guy behind the scenes. And it's got Hugh Laurie. It's got Josh Gad. These are funny guys. These are people who know how to do comedy. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know that about Hugh Laurie, but Hugh Laurie actually is a very funny guy and does a lot of funny work. So it kind of plays against type since people expect house out of him sure yeah. or or like night manager which was like his last role where he was like a real villain using his british accent but he is a funny guy it's also got uh zach woods from silicon valley yes yes his but... his character is i kind of wonder about the level of ad-libbing on set because everything that he said seemed it had it had a, a theme but also a very random element also he had probably the, the most memorable, or at least what I thought were the funniest lines. He says at one point he's dealing with a really uh, difficult word. I don't know. It, that's a question. Is she difficult? This Karen Kelly, the one who's got the view screen that's stuck on uh, heavy industrialization. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think difficult's a, a word, a, a valid word. You pay a lot of money to go on a space uh, cruise liner. And you, sure. want, you want your shit to work. Really appreciate that. But he says at the end of that conversation, when he's in their cabin, sitting on their bed, which was really funny. Like, he was very comfortable in these people's, like, like hotel room, essentially. Mm -hmm. And as he's leaving, he tells them, I'd like to disperse your irritation. That is just a funny phrasing. And he <laughs> delivered it exactly like someone from Silicon Valley would deliver that line. A show also. I don't, did you watch Silicon Valley? You know, it's on the list. I've watched the first couple of episodes. I laugh when I watch them. It's just... I haven't found the steam to keep going. I think that is a very good summation of Silicon Valley. It's a show that has a very, I think it's kind of smallish core of devotees. Um, I was a more casual viewer and I would laugh when I would watch it, but not enough that I would like want to sit down and binge a season. Kind of like this. It has a very specific sense of humor. It does. Yeah, but I liked his character. though. The, his, he plays Matt Spencer. He's the head of like the public relations. He's like customers. He's like head of customer service. You know, he he had a lot of funny lines when the when the floating body of the head engineer Joe comes by the window. He, he tells the assembled masses, if it's any consolation, he had very few loved ones. <laughs> which is fun, right it's funny i mean so he was the one who made me kind of laugh out loud he was he was definitely the comedy relief in a show that's supposed to be kind of a comedy like a workplace disaster comedy and mm -hmm. uh but he was the one who actually made me laugh this show is basically a cruise show the all these people are on vacation in space in the judd galaxy that's the name of the company the judd galaxy uh, avenue five i don't know what the point of naming the ship's avenue numeral uh, right but the, there are other ships in the fleet named avenue something avenue three keeps getting brought up and sounds like a ship that had met some kind of disastrous end at some point because we, we learned that the captain of this ship ryan clark played by hugh laurie he's referred to several times in the episode as being the savior of the avenue three accident some kind of fire on board that ship since that was brought up in about the first 15 seconds of the show i had my questions as to whether or not he was actually the hero 
of Avenue 3. Apparently, uh, says anyway, that he has spent a lifetime telling people he was no hero. You know, he says the people who put out the fire and the fire suppression system, they were the hero. He just happened to be near it when it all, you know, got taken care of. Which is actually a pretty nice self-awareness. He, uh, he fully admits you know, when push comes to shove that he is no hero. So he is the captain of this Avenue 5 ship. And almost immediately, a very random sci-fi thing happens. The gravity flips. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, but the effect of it is that everyone in the ship is thrown towards the uh, port side of the ship. You know, no matter where you were, everyone kind of gets lifted off the ground and gets slammed against the hull of the, the cruise liner. For me, acupuncture guy was the funniest sufferer. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because of the needles or because of the rocks that individually hit him one after the other and he makes the best ooh ah ee, kind of noises uh both but the rocks <laughs> were the icing on the cake for sure avenue five is a new ship we learn it's actually on when the episode begins it's on day 25 of an eight-week mating cruise around saturn we are in the future i didn't get the impression i don't know that they said the year but i got the impression we're within a hundred years of kind of current time it did seem not distant right uh, like by distant i mean like star trek or dune or something like that so, right so. like i think it's definitely possible we're still in the 21st century maybe late 21st century yeah we're basically in the middle of this maiden voyage of the avenue five then when this horrible accident uh happens everyone gets thrown to the same side of the hole which we learned is about five thousand people there is a phrase used that i think we're gonna maybe hear more called a knock-on effect did, did that mean anything to you I heard it, and they said it as maybe something that we maybe should know or we'll get to know. I don't know that one. Do they just mean, I mean, they kind of explain like everybody banging into the hull at the same time resulted in sending the ship off course. Right. And not just a little bit off course. Even there's a great discussion about how far 0.21 degrees should knock a ship off of course, which is what they get knocked off. Uh, it's a little bit of time to the voyage. <laughs> right. Three years. Three uh, years. Three, three years. years. Very Gilligan's Island setup. You know, a three hour tour turned into several years on the island. This eight week tour is now going to turn into a three year voyage home. Yeah. Or kind of lost in space. At least right. they, they know where they're at. They're not actually lost. They're just, you know, way, way off course. This is a problem because... At the same time, there is, there's a, an aspect of the show where Gad wants to have a relay between Earth at the Judd Galaxy Mission Control Center and the ship. You know, the, again, this is the maiden voyage. This is, a, this is a big deal. We learn there is a 26-second delay in communications. Because of that delay, it's a very awkward, someone would say something, and then there's a very long, long, awkward pause. But the families of the people on board the ship get to witness in a delayed fashion, the gravity going out on the ship. And this is just a function of distance. And and this is a an annoyance to Judd, but it's like he, he doesn't he, he he willfully doesn't want to allow the idea that there's just nothing that can be done except for getting closer to Earth. That's the only way to fix it. He does send out though his best engineer on the ship, a guy we never really get to meet other than we just learn his name is Joe. We we kind of hear his disembodied voice. And we learn he's Joe and he's very important. Unfortunately, when the gravity situation goes from not working to back to working, Joe is impaled, you know, dies. Kind of a not gruesome death, but a death that I don't know that I would want to experience myself impaled outside in space. A couple things happen right away there. We start to experience the, the idea of a gag. I don't know if Veep had gags but this show is going to use this 26 second delay gag i think all the time <laughs> 
one of the rules of comedy is repetition. I think they're really going to try to push that rule and see see where it breaks. <laughs> I got to tell you, it broke for me very, very, very early. I found it infuriating. It was it was making my blood pressure rise having to wait the twenty six seconds. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. Did you, did, did you find it super annoying or did you find it funny? I mean, yeah, I, I do find it. I think the point could have been made a little with maybe a few less seconds, but, but, yeah. but initially funny, but given that I think it's going to be a recurring gag, I think it's going to get less funny as it goes. Who knows? These are professional writers. Maybe they'll, they'll find a way to keep it, keep it fresh, but I think it's going to keep coming up. Or they end up fixing the problem that Joe was out in space trying to fix, you know, he was out there trying to boost their signal as to get rid of the 26 second lag because again Josh Gad's character uh, Herman Judd wanted it taken care of so that's why uh, head engineer Joe was out there in the first place so maybe maybe they will abandon I don't know who knows but you're probably right they're probably going to ride that for a little bit for a show that's probably listed as a comedy first you know they're killing people so the stakes of the show are a little different than your average you know sitcom where people don't usually die um here they killed a pretty important guy right off the bat so I I think the the tone of the show is is going to reflect that going forward. Like, well, you know, if you mess up bad enough, this is space, and and you could actually get killed doing this stuff, which changes the tone a little bit. Could still be funny, but what we might be laughing at death, <laughs> yeah, throughout right. the season, you know, or unexpected comical death. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that out. Joe's death, though really presents a major problem in the story show. And again, this pilot really sets up. Pilot was really less about being an enjoyable episode, I think, versus really setting up all the characters, but also the kind of conceit of the show. Turns out Captain Clark, uh, you know, Hugh Laurie's character, very, very upset when he learns from, I guess, the second in command of engineering. Her name was uh, Billy McAvoy is the character's name. She tells Captain Clark that... Joe is dead, or at least they can't reach Joe. And he really reacts poorly to that. He really starts to freak out. And I don't, did you notice, did you notice early on that his accent was slipping a little bit as he was the, whenever he got excited, his, his, his accent changed a little bit. I really only noticed it in the moment where, where he's in the, in the same room as, as Judd and he, and he starts kind of screaming a little bit. I noticed it at the same time everybody else noticed it basically. Go, if you go back and watch it again, and, and I thought it was funny because I was watching the episode and I thought to myself, that was really bad editing. He gave like an excited utterance, like, you know, like, bloody hell, something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but when he, when Billy uh, is telling him on the bridge or in like the main like area of the ship where everyone was gathered, he gives kind of an excited utterance and it, it you could definitely hear a little bit of the, of the Hugh Laurie uh, British accent come out. And then it happens again, another excited utterance where it pops out. But then of course we learn the big twist at the end in the boardroom is that Hugh Laurie where Captain Clark is neither a captain nor an admiral or a vice admiral. I thought that was actually pretty funny. They ask him, <laughs> they ask him what, what position he really has. He, he's just kind of an actor. He is just someone that Joe, the now dead engineer, had hired to be the kind of face of the Avenue ship, that it is in fact a driverless ship. I wasn't expecting a twist. I, I really, I, then the show wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Were you expecting a twist? Did you think something was going to happen like that? No, it seemed to build that, that he was going to be, you know, the, the main guy to try to save the day, at least I thought. You know, it may still be the case because he, although he's not a captain, he does seem like he does have some interpersonal skills. I mean, everyone else believes he's the captain. So if right. he says captain-y things, it's sort of like Tim Tim Allen in Galaxy Quest in a way. Right, right. A hundred percent. 
Yes. I, I, I actually, that's a great shout out. And it was a very much that vibe. So much so that they're sitting in a boardroom. Josh Gad's character is judges uh, watching Captain Clark work. And he's saying, wow, he really understands what he's doing. Like, even after learning that he was not a real captain, Iris, uh, Billy are sitting next to him. He's like, no, he really doesn't know what he's saying. He's just saying like, you know, bloopity bloop words. You know, <laughs> right. but but he does it with such confidence that even after learning, you know, Judd still thinks that he is he is a real captain. Speaking of Iris, we haven't mentioned her yet. No, um, she is Judd's right hand. Makes sure that his every whim is carried out, such as make the restaurant red. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, <laughs> he thinks it will sell more steaks. <laughs> I like the idea about uh, they, they need to start doing fast yoga so that people will be hungrier because they're losing too much food in the uh, in the food section of like the ship. So he wants the people to eat more. So he wants them to start doing fast yoga. I thought the idea of fast yoga. I liked how they kept stitching in the yoga. Uh, there's a moment when Karen Kelly, the the pushy lady that kind of takes it upon herself to to lead the passengers. If there's going to be a rebellion, she's going to yes. be the one that leads it. And after she informs everybody because she overhears overhears the three year ETA, the, the best lines come at the very end of a scene. At the end of that scene, someone says, I blame the yoga. <laughs> it was great. For some reason, I thought that was hilarious. I blame the yoga. Rich, and it was a little bit of like Chekhov's yoga because we learn at like really at the very beginning of the episode, right after learning, you know, the 15 seconds that he saves Avenue 3, the 20 second mark, we learn that they are have just set a record for the largest yoga class in space. To which, again, the joke was at the end, he says, you know, as compared to who? Like, who previously had the largest yoga class in space? Um, (laughs) So there is a lot of bendy motherfuckers. I think that's the line or something. That's a paraphrase of what Karen Kelly says, you know, blames people on the ship for for banging into the hole. Where do you think this show goes from here? I I was so wrong on what this show was about. I I can't even hazard a guess on what's going to happen. Is this going to be... Lost in Space, Gilligan's Island, Star Trek Voyager, or, or something else. <laughs> right, Voyager, right. We've got an actual Voyager actor on this show. He was Neelix on Voyager, but he's the crusty astronaut on, on this one. He seems to be included as a nostalgic shout out to sci-fi that had come before, basically, you know, Voyager. Voyager actually celebrating its 25th anniversary this week. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, I saw Kate Mulgrew was on Twitter earlier this week and uh, talking about it. That's cool. Yeah. Very nice tie-in with the show premiering that kind of time. Well, I think it's going to be all about getting home, and every week is going to be some kind of either progress or delay related to getting home. I don't know why the plot would deviate from that (laughs) at this point, you know, in terms of like bottle episodes or whatever. I don't know why they would do that. This is going to be like, well, we can try this. It's going to be that thing that they try this week and it either is going to help or or it's not. Down in Mission Control, when uh, the director and what's her name? Uh, Rav Mulcair is the character's name. She's a very refined British lady who is both entertaining this tour at the time that the gravity incident happens on the ship and also, you know, drinking lots of coffee and trying to keep her underlings under control in Mission Control. They're talking about the trajectory and they show it on a map. What did you did you notice how the ship was would just be going around the sun? It was just making laps around the galaxy. <laughs> wider, the wider, Way. Laps, wider. Right. Her reaction is, why is it doing that? That that does not look right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice like like uh, there were two tours? There was one on the bridge 
when the show started. And then there was another right. tour in Mission Control. I guess that's kind of built into the Judd Galaxy corporate culture. Every everything is is uh, eligible for a tour. You know, if you've uh taken a cruise there is actually usually a chance uh, if you're willing to pay money to do like a behind the scenes kind of tour on like you know i know of like royal caribbean offers them so that actually kind of rang true for me on the ship i don't know that you would want people to be in your mission control down on earth yeah. uh but no i would definitely like to go press buttons that don't really do anything you know like which is interesting you know that maybe that was a little foreshadowing at the beginning of the episode Right, they the little girl gets to be the captain of the day. Jade, I think her, Jade, name, her name was. Right. He's like, you know, as she presses the buttons to release the whatever, and he turns to the parents and he says, "Don't worry, the buttons don't really do anything." Yeah. It turns out none of the buttons do anything. It was all <laughs> Joe. It was all dead Joe who was doing everything. So. Makes you wonder what the bridge crew's actually doing. If it, I think they're, they yeah, can't steer they, the ship. Yeah, they can't steer the ship, but they all seem very committed to the premise. Yeah, he goes up there several times and checks in with them, and they're all bleeping and blooping away. I wonder if they even realize that they have no control over the ship. I do, can't do, think that they would. I, I Again, maybe this will be an, a, a mystery that will be unraveled for us. What did you think of the line, it's not a throne? Is that a definite Game of Thrones, HBO Productions sort of minor shout out yes i think it was too odd to say that phrase especially in the late 21st century or whenever this takes place to still be talking about monarchies and thrones and stuff oh by the way did you catch the whole kind of british like anti-british sentiment when they realized that he's english there was like a real backlash against that so it makes you think yeah. between that and the throne line that this is not a throne there's really some it seems in the future there's a very anti-monarchist vibe going on in the Judd Corporation, at least. I didn't pick up on that, but now that you mention it, the signs are all there. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But no, I think I think you know they say that Billy was next in line after Dead Joe, and she responds because I don't think she really wants this responsibility. She says, "This is not a throne." But you're right; that was probably an HBO synergy. Let's see. There's a couple characters that we have missed. I don't know that Karen Kelly's husband is quite that important to mention but he was from dunder mifflin from the office oh was and he? i love when yeah and i love when he shows up in shows he played he was like the corporate boss during the early years okay of uh the office and he was always because he was always actually really rather sympathetic to michael scott so he always uh stuck out for me well in this show he's sort of simple <laughs> very simple and very simple and definitely doesn't want to take on his wife no you know he well i don't know who would She's very sure of herself. And then the other characters that keep popping up, and this isn't a show like, say, The Walking Dead, where they're, like, where they're like, hi, I'm Rick, I'm Shane, and everybody knows their names. Like, they didn't really even say anybody's names, except for Judd and the captain. So there's the arguing couple, the couple that desperately needs to get a divorce and get away from each other. They really just took this cruise, but we're planning on fully um, getting a divorce when it was done. Man, what so. is the deal with them? Do we, I mean, they they had some funny things to say, but but they really added zero to the, you know, the plot or, or anything that was going on because they're not part of the crew. They're not tied in with Karen and her rabble rousers so much. So what do you think of them? Do you think there's something I, later that, that they figure into or, or what? I hope so. Or else it was just, I mean, okay. You know, people, you know, humanity. I, I don't know what their point was at this point. Yeah, I don't know what role they're serving other than that, you know, people can be really shitty and nasty to each other on a cruise ship, which right. is true. But I don't know what they really serviced or furthered in the plot other than a couple of good throwaway jokes when he brings up like the crotch of the guy that she was cheating with. 
you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Karen's husband, his character's name is Frank Kelly, and it's Andy Buckley. And he played David Wallace on The Office for 37 episodes. So that's why he always kind of, that was what I saw when I saw his face. I don't know what those characters are. And, and are we going to get to know more characters, know more passengers on the ship? Is this going to be like a weekly love boat situation where we become entangled? Good question. Uh, I mean, if you look yeah. at the IMDb listing for the show, there are a f- still a few un- unshown, at least I didn't notice them, characters with actual names it's kind of high up in the in the cast lists. We'll see, but I don't really have anybody else on my list here. The old astronaut didn't have much to say this time around. Ethan Phillips. Ethan uh, Phillips, who I first knew from Benson, right? Wasn't that That's Benson? how I... Yep, yep, Benson 100%. Yeah. That's how old we are now. <laughs> that we remember a show no one else remembers. And his character's name, because I didn't think they referred to him as a couple of like colloquialisms but I don't, or nicknames, but I don't think they actually refer- told us his name. His name is Spike Martin. Oh, he was also in Girls. That's right. He played Lena Dunham's father in oh, uh, Girls. I didn't realize yeah. that. I didn't really yeah, watch yeah. Girls. I, it was one of those things. I had to watch Girls for the relationship I was in at the time. I see. You know, it, it kept the peace. So I see. Yeah, no, I think I, I think it needs to grow a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if it has legs or if this premise gets played out after a very short amount of time. I don't know if I was I was expecting just flat out straight up sitcom comedy or if I was expecting The Expanse with a little bit of comedy or, or what? Because my guts tell me I think I would have preferred something more like The Expanse with some comedy in it. But that's not what we got. They could transplant the story to uh, a regular uh, cruise ship just on the open seas that that can't get back to port or something and and still probably have the same story and same kinds of things going on so it's not necessarily sci-fi not really sci-fi at all other than just some kind of MacGuffin terms that they throw around yeah i think i was expecting a dramedy also something that had like a little more meteor plot with 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 decent like one-liners and 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 humor thrown around it, it was it was not what i expected did you notice earlier this week on twitter hbo did a small promotion where if you responded to this tweet that you would get access to some uh, a special video and a special message from Herman Judd. Uh, I did see it. And actually, because I was promoting the premiere of the show, HBO actually tweeted at me. And it is Herman Judd. And I don't know, did you ever watch the the IT crowd? No. Okay. I'm aware of it, it being a thing that existed. I did not watch it. I believe it's the second season. There's a boss who runs the company where they all work. And due to uh, an impending fraud investigation, he just jumps out the window and kills himself. And so his... (laughs) Well, he does it in a very British way. He just pops out the window. (laughs) Dignified. Right. And so his son arrives to take over the company. And his son is played by an actor named Matt Barry, who is a very funny guy. I first knew of him in a show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. You might have noticed him on Netflix. He's on another British show called like The Toast of London. He's he's done voice work on like Disenchantment and like the recent, not too recent, but a, a the most recent SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Anyway, he's not in Avenue 5, but he's in the IT crowd. His character is the same kind of thing as Herman Judd, a guy who can't really listen to new ideas because all of his ideas are so great and they are crowding out every other, every other thing that he could possibly hear. He's very self-assured, but not super bright and not really, not really even aware enough that that he's he doesn't 
have the the smarts to be doing what he's doing, but he has the money and the position to do it anyway. So Herman Judd reminded me of that. And and uh, there's a, a video even that he makes about some other cockamamie thing. The video that, that Herman Judd sent through Twitter reminded me of the IT crowd <laughs> video. So kind of like the 26 second delay thing. I feel like the the note that they're hitting with uh, Josh Gad, the way he's portraying Herman Judd. I have a big question mark about whether or not this will continue to be funny or if it will just be something becomes uh, a kind of a groan and almost feels like work to get through with him. Because he's just that guy, you know, he's yeah. like Michael, he's like Michael Scott at his worst, you know, with, uh, you know, just kind of a really bad boss who doesn't listen, but thinks he's right all the time. Yeah. They have to be very delicate. I think the show with making him lovable and yet tolerable. They've got more work to, to do then. <laughs> right. You have to be, you have to, you have to, you have to be able to tolerate him at least or, and, or find him funny. You have to either want to laugh at him or find him somewhat tolerable. The show drops again, putting, uh, emphasizing that we're in the future or near future anyway uh they drop three achievements of mankind that we have achieved between now and when the show takes place and i was curious your take on them uh, apparently google has folded google, the folded, google company right. that was a google disaster folded. they have perfected the liquid glove which i didn't even really know what that meant that also left me scratching my head because uh, i don't know why one would need a liquid glove or why that would be an achievement to have made. I mean, I guess it would be uh, an achievement because why would liquid form to your hand to be a glove? But I'm not sure what the importance of that achievement would be. Yeah, I had the same idea. I couldn't. And maybe it was just because it's the natural state evolution of a solid glove that you would make it a liquid glove before we get onto gaseous gloves. I don't know. I don't know what that was about, but that was one of the three things they named. And then they also dropped that the the uh, moon has been converted into a giant prison, mm -hmm. which, which made me laugh. But also I could totally see that actually being something that does eventually happen when we inevitably colonize the moon. The new Australia, as it were. You know, just a giant. <laughs> A giant penal colony. So right. it's not what I expect. It's not bad. It's just not what I expected. That I think that I agree with you. I think that was my biggest issue too. I definitely laughed. I definitely laughed. Um, you know, a bunch, but it wasn't what I was expecting. So I think I need to readjust my view. You know, I think I need a little bit of alignment on expectations. <laughs> a very corporate way to view television watching. <laughs> you know, I want to disperse my own irritations. That's my goal here. So <laughs> that's a worthy goal. That's a worthy goal. It is a worthy goal. Until next week, uh, again, uh, this is uh, Paul from Daily Review. This is Mike Caputo from Pop Culture Review. And this is another Pod Clubhouse production. Thanks a lot. Bye. Join us on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse. Come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters. Pod Clubhouse.